Father, we just thank you for who you are. I thank you that we can lean in on on your goodness and on your grace. And so, God, today we release you to have your way. Till soil, uh, sow seed, and let it bear fruit for your kingdom. Speak and preach and teach through me, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Everybody said. So we're on a series right now called Living Free. How many of you can say, man, you know, I would like to, to live free. I want to live free in my Christian life. I don't want to be bound up by things. It's, it's, it's what Christ has called us to. And, and we've looked at, at this process uh, of freedom. Uh, the first week in the series, we, we looked from Exodus and how God was talking to the children of Israel. And while they were in bondage, and he says, I'm going to make some promises to you. He says, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to get you out. We talked about the, the salvation, but it didn't stop there. Remember he said then, he said, I'm going to bring you out, but then I'm going to deliver you. In other words, I'm going to get you out of Egypt, but then i got to get Egypt out of you. And then he says, not only that, but then I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to redeem you and, and restore you back to your created purpose. And then I'm going to use you in the kingdom and the body of Christ to make a difference. This is the process of freedom that God calls us to be on. And today, listen, we, we're, in the, we're in kind of the second phase, which is we're still in the, that God wants to deliver you. He wants to take Egypt out of you. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you know Jesus. But there's some things that are blocking you from experiencing all that God has for you. So the title simply today is From Stronghold to Strength from stronghold to strength. You know, it's interesting as a pastor, I, I get to talk to all kinds of people. Um, and, and one of the things I love about our church is that is that it's getting more and more diverse. And I want you to know something about your pastor. My prayer for this church is that we keep getting more diverse. In other words, in other words, I, I mean people that are poor, people that are rich, people that are in between, people that are black, people that are white, and people that are in between. People from other countries, people that speak other languages. My heart for this church is that we grow more and more diverse. Let me say it this way. The, la the last thing I want is a church full of middle-class white people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know how else to say that. It's just not what I'm after. But one of the things that's it's interesting, because I get to talk to a lot of people from different, you know, man, whether they are got a lot of money in the bank or a little money in the bank, whether they're, you know, white or black or whatever they are. It, there's one thing that I notice about, about people, and it's, it's that some people, no matter who they are, are, are not really willing to deal with the issue that's blocking them from becoming all that God has called them to be. They, they, they know there's something and, and they're coming to church and, and they're just not truly willing to deal with that thing. How many of you know God's calling us to deal with some stuff today? It's going to get real. So just buckle your seatbelt. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. We're going to look at, we're going to talk about strongholds today. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of let you know what that is. I'm going to kind of let you have, have an understanding about strongholds. And then we're going to talk about a stronghold that God spoke to me. Uh, and we're going to deal with, with in the next few minutes. So 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3. It says this, for though we walk not in the flesh, we are not waging war to the flesh. Excuse me. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Can somebody say divine power? 
to destroy strongholds. We destroy our, that's a strong word. He didn't just say like punch. <laughs> he said, we tear it down. We destroy it. Arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. It's interesting because we look at the Corinthian church and they, man, they had some things figured out. And you can flip over a few chapters and see that they, they had an understanding of the Holy Spirit. They knew certain things and they operated and they moved in the gifts. But when Paul kind of would look back and, and, and kind of peer into the Corinthian church, he said, yeah, you've got some things down and you're going to church and you're, you're doing these things, but there's, there's something that's blocking you from truly living free, and I'm calling you to deal with that thing and use the divine power that's available to us because of what Jesus did to tear it down. This is what Paul is dealing with him. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm a, I'm a word person, so I wanna go back to our text, and I wanna just unpack a few words uh, for, for you today. It says in verse four, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Now, I gotta, I gotta preface everything today by saying this. Uh, the, the, the power that we possess to break and tear down the strongholds in our life, which we're gonna cover in just a few minutes, it, it's not inside of you to do that. It says the word divine power because it's, it's supernatural. In other words, it's, it's outside of the access that you have in the natural realm. You follow me? So these strongholds in our lives have to be broken from a strength and a power that comes super or above the natural. It's divine. It's Holy Spirit power because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, and he's making it available to us. So why do I say that? Because this, this is not, when we start talking about pulling down strongholds, um, we're not talking about like, man, I got to try hard. Uh, I got to follow this six-step process, and I, uh, I got I to walk four ladies across the street, and then I got to make sure I go to church every week, and I got to make sure I do this, 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 and, and then maybe I'm going to get free. Uh-uh, uh-uh. See, we can't operate in a natural way to remove supernatural things. You have to operate in the supernatural to remove supernatural. And the Bible says we have divine super... <laughs> superpower to destroy strongholds. I'm preaching to somebody today. It says this, for the weapons, it, it says they have divine power to destroy. Now, again, that word, I like to look words up. So you may have a different uh, a word there instead of destroy. It literally means to pull down or demolish. He says, so we have divine power to destroy strongholds now it just takes us to our word what is that like what is a what are we talking about here I just came to church to get encouraged pastor I mean my goodness talking about strongholds and and breaking the supernatural and all that stuff like whoa yes yeah, because I want you to be free <laughs> I'm not man, I could I could entertain you I could inspire you and then you walk out of here the same but I'm trying to equip you to live the spirit-filled life and live free and not be bound by sin on Monday to Saturday and fake it on Sunday. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No, my heart for you is that we could operate and access the things God has available to us so that we can live free. Okay, so what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a fortress 
that one relies on and will defend at an opponent, against an opponent. It is a mindset, a value system, or a thought process that hinders your growth. It's a stubborn disposition. I love all of these definitions. It's an, I love this one. It's an unbelieving belief system. Wilkerson says it like this. He says, there, uh, this is not a, 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 your list of your worst sins. That's not what a stronghold is. But it is an accusation firmly planted in your mind by Satan to establish and implant lies, falsehoods, and misconceptions, especially concerning the identity and work and goodness of God. That's a lot. Let me unpack it for you. In other words, the enemy wants you to doubt God's goodness. Why does he want us to do that? Listen, here's how this works. You go through a situation in life where you don't understand why it happened. Man, if I was God, I would have done this or I would have done that. And so we hear God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Praise God, brother. God bless you. That's what we say, right? That's what we're supposed to say. And then we go into real life and we're like, wait a minute, time out. And we always say this to ourselves because we don't want Christians to think we're you know, like, wait a minute. If God's always good, why did that happen? Why, why did he allow this to happen? And here, here's where we have to be careful because now what happens is the enemy wants to slide into the open door that you're not believing God's goodness because if he can get you to doubt God's goodness, you won't experience God, God's goodness because you can't experience what you doubt. And so you can't experience what you doubt. And so the devil likes to come in and, and hijack the glory of God in your life. He likes to come in and say, yeah, he's not really good. It's just like a cliche thing that hypes everybody up and gets us all excited on, on Sundays so that we can pretend like everything's okay. But he ain't really good because look at that. And you're like, man, I don't really know. Like he seems good here, but. And all of a sudden, he's wiggled his way in to rob you of that truth. You follow me? You follow me? It's interesting. I don't know. I don't watch a ton of TV, but I like HGTV, right? And all the guys are like, really? Come on, dude. Like, really? No, y'all don't look at me like that because guys watch it too. Y'all be up in there like, I, I know you do. Fixer upper, like all that stuff. Come on now, acting like y'all are watching monster trucks. Man, you're watching Fixer Upper. <laughs> Talking about flipping from the Bucks game to Fixer Upper. I know how you roll. It's interesting because I, I, I stumbled upon a show that really struck my attention. And this show is, is called Hoarders. Have you, ever, have you ever watched a show that you despised but you couldn't change the channel? You're like, I hate this so much, but I'm like 30 minutes in. 
It's interesting because I, I, I was watching one day and I, and I got to see firsthand this, this just kind of blew my mind because there was this lady who had this house and it looked great on the outside and, and man, it just was all, I mean, you would have thought everything's normal, but, but there were some things on the inside that were out of control and actually what happened was the smell from the inside kind of leaked out through the walls and the neighbors were like, something is happening and so they called and, 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 you know, the, the, the people showed up, whoever the people are, and they're like, you know, hey. And she opens the door, and the guy almost fell over and immediately puts this mask on. And it was like, oh, dear Lord. And she's like, hey, welcome. Come on in. As if everything is okay. Like, I made some cookies. Come on in. And the people that are going in are like, oh my goodness, like I can't even walk. I'm trying to just get around, you know, over here. And the, the lady had a hundred cats. It, it, there, there will never be anything good. I'm gonna just move on from that. But here's, <laughs> here, here's what happened is that it, it, it's, it, she pretended, she thought everything was okay. And I'm, I'm like, you know, isn't that funny? Because I think there are things in our lives that, that we have accepted as normal because we feel stuck in it. In other words, we have lived in a dysfunction for, for a certain amount of time. And because the enemy is telling us you're never going to be free from this, we've shifted our mindset to actually see dysfunction as normal. Come on in. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. What do you mean the smell? I don't even smell anything. Because now, now you're numb because you've been forced to change. You can't, you can't live every day thinking, this is terrible. This is a mess. This reeks. No, no, no. You have to switch and start to think this is normal. And this is what the enemy wants us to do. It's funny because as they, what happens in the show is that they like bring in these dumpsters and they bring, they start just saying, we got to clean this up. And so they bring like a whole crew and they start ripping stuff out. And at this point, they actually bring a psychologist in because they're like, it's going to get real up in here. When we start just throwing stuff away, we're going to have to like, you know, just console her because a lot of times, you know, they, they just don't do well. And, and so they're throwing stuff away. And this scene happened. And I, I, I won't forget this because this this blew my mind. See, back in the day, I think it's like early 90s, um, they had these, these computers that, that the screen, see, now they're flat. But back in the day, they were like this. And they weighed like 85 pounds each. And when you got on the, when you got on the internet, it, it was like dial up. Like you had to like go make yourself a sandwich because it's just going like, to take a minute before you can get on the internet. And... And so she had these old computer case things that were not functional, had no value, and they naturally didn't even ask her, can we throw these away? Because this is naturally junk. And they began to walk to the dumpster, and she panicked. And she went over there, and she's grabbing, you can't throw that away. And they're like, oh, ma'am, they've improved these screens over the years. This is not value. This has no value. And there's this, there's this fight that's going on. And all of a sudden, the daughter, her daughter comes in. And she's so mad at this point. And she's yelling at her mom. And she's, you, throw those away. She says, I'm not throwing those away. And she looks at her mom and she says, it's me or those cases. You decide. And with tears in that mother's eyes, she bent down and grabbed those things. And she says, I can't throw these away. And she walked away. 
And I thought, isn't it so interesting that, you see, strongholds begin to change our value system. They, they, begin, to, they begin to change the way we see things and, and, we, and we sacrifice what's most valuable for what's worthless. In other words, we, we begin to place value on what's worthless and we devalue what's most important that's staring you in the face. It's a, it's, a, it's a mindset that's skewed. I've seen it. I've seen most of the time it's people will walk away from their family, from their wife or husband and their children. And, 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 and there's this lie wedged in that says, I know you love your family, but man, you can't give up this. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at something that has no value, and I'm placing greater value on it than what's most value, valuable, which is my family. Stronghold messes with our value system, and it begins to control our lives. This, today, the rest of the few moments, I'm going to talk about one stronghold that I felt so firmly that this house needed to get right, and it's the stronghold of unforgiveness. The stronghold of unforgiveness. I felt so strongly about this word as you're turning uh, in your Bible to Matthew chapter 18. Let me just kind of, let me share with you my week. I've had a crazy week this week and uh, knowing that I was going to be talking about this and <clears throat> knowing we had a, you know, a, a she gathering Thursday night. Come on, ladies. The she gathering and, and ladies' lives were tra transformed and, and, and healed and, and, and people were delivered and it was powerful. And, and, and I, I kind of came under a little bit of attack from certain things in my my wife's gone. I got the kids and I'm doing, you know, just kind of taking kids to school and all this, all the stuff that happens with that and all these other things were happening. And I just kind of felt the weight of the word that, that I knew God had given me. And, and yesterday, guys, I literally was cutting my grass and I just began to weep. I began to, to weep over you and over, I felt God's heart for you to be, to be free, to be free of some things that have been holding you back and, and bondages from unforgiveness and some things that were done to you that God wants you to deal with. Matthew chapter 18. See, I, I said this to the first service. This, it's okay if you don't amen me today. This is just probably not one of those messages where you're going to shout me down. But God's going to have, he's going to speak to you anyway. God's got a word for you. So Matthew chapter 18, let's look at it. In verse 21, it says, And Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? It's like Peter's like, yo, I've heard you teach on, on prayer and, and forgiveness and all this stuff. But like, like, how many times do I have to really forgive somebody? Like seven that's a lot. Like, is that the, the cutoff before I can then hold a grudge or kind of keep it at seven? And he's like, no, 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 no. Seven times. He says, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Somebody do the math. I did it for you. It's 490. But here's what I'm asking you. It's not like God, it's not like Jesus is saying, no, it's not seven. It's 490. And as a matter of fact, when you get to 491, you're good. Like, that's what I would have been thinking, like seven times seven. I'm like, carry the one. All right, 490. So, so if they offend me 490 times and one more time, I can hold it in. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He, he, he's saying as many times as it takes. 
He's just saying, you have to keep on uh, forgiving. And he's not saying that because he wants us to be nice. He's saying that because he wants us to be free. Okay. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven, he's about to teach him something right here like he likes to do. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And let me pause right there. 10,000 talents is about $60 million today. It's a lot of money. And so he owed 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. And out of compassion and pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, that's like $600, a little bit cheaper than $60 million, isn't it? And seized him, and he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he refused. And when he put him in prison until he should pay the debt, verse 31, when the fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. And that word is, it literally means tormentors. He delivered him into a, into a mindset, into a bondage of torment for his unforgiveness. Now check out. Verse 35, there's some verses in the Bible that I just want to like skip and then, and, and, and I don't want to say this in church. Can we just avoid there's, you know, there's certain things that are just like, wow, is that really there? It's here and it's in red. It says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart there is a place of tormenting if we hold unforgiveness let me just before we go into a couple of points i just got two points today and i'm out of your way but my prayer for you and this is what god spoke to me is that as I'm speaking today, the Holy Spirit is going to bring to the surface situations from your past, people that hurt you, people that wounded you, things that were said to you that you're holding on to. And the Holy Spirit is bringing that to the surface this morning because he wants you to release it and find freedom today. So let's get into it. Forgiveness. What is, what is forgiveness? Again, I like to look words up. It literally just means in the Greek to leave behind and let go. It means to release control. So forgiveness can be looked at like this. Imagine you're carrying something in your arms and you're walking. And forgiveness, the word, it literally means to, to release your grip of control and to 
and to drop it down, release it, and walk away. To, to let go of your grip of control and release it. This is what forgiveness means. I got two points about unforgiveness and, 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 and how it can affect us. And the first one is this, if you're a note taker. Unforgiveness will keep you bound. It will keep you bound. Let me say it this way. You can either choose compassion or chains. There's no middle ground. How does this work? Unforgiveness, unforgiveness is a partnership with the enemy that chains your potential in Christ. How does this work for us on a day-to-day basis? Let's get real for a second. Maybe you're married in here, and, and see, y'all got perfect marriages, but sometimes, you know, my wife and I, even though she sings, she's worship leader, and I'm preacher, and I'm supposed to have it all together, there's times that, with that we, you know, we got, we got things. Y'all don't judge me like that. <laughs> Acting like y'all are perfect. No, there's times where some things, you know, we're frustrated and we respond. And, 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 and sometimes what can happen is somebody says something to you that is hurtful. And the Bible says that the enemy can, can, can kind of clothe himself as an angel of light. And so he'll come alongside of you and comfort you in that moment. And he'll whisper into your ear, you know, you know, he shouldn't have said that. You know, he, 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 he doesn't really, he, he shouldn't talk to you like that. You're better than that. I can't believe that that actually happened. You know, I know this is going to really hurt you. You might forgive him, but you're not going to forget it. And you receive the false comfort from the enemy. And what happens is, is you actually begin to be chained and, and a wedge can go in if you partner with that thought. You remember I said, listen, I, I got to say this. There is nothing. The devil cannot keep you from all of God's blessings. Did you know that? The only thing that can keep you from God's blessings is your partnering with a lie. It's quiet in here, y'all. It's, it's a partnership that takes place where now I'm giving authority and value in an area that had no authority, and now he has authority to begin to control and lock me back from my God-given potential. In other words, it's going to keep you bound. I'm going to take it. One more step further, and again, it's just let God speak to you today. I've talked to so many people in, in, in our church alone who have, who 40 or 50 maybe even, who have walked through some serious hurt in church. You may have been hurt by a church. You may have been hurt by a, a pastor. You may have been hurt by, by a small group that, 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 I mean, you may have been, some things may have been spoken to you that wounded you. There may have, you may have had a death in the family and nobody called you and you, and you allowed this wound to kind of stay there and you've moved on, but you're here now. And I'm telling you that, that, that though you may have forgiven, you've not forgotten and you have not released it. And and it's keeping you back from your God-given potential in this house. 
In other words, you have potential in the kingdom of God that is hindered here because you have not fully released control of a wound that happened in a previous church. (laughs) It's just real life. Listen, the first three years I was saved, I was in a church and, 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 and the pastor, I just looked up to him, mentor, friend, and still to this day, you know, God has totally redeemed and restored him, but there was a season where there was just some craziness and, and he kind of quit being the pastor and there was fighting going on between the leadership and I was confused and, I, and, and, and literally there was some hurt and there were days where I thought, man, everybody that I look up to is walking away and I don't understand and I was confused. So this, these are things I've had to deal with myself. I'm just telling you, everything that I stand up here and present to you are things that I have worked through in my own life. And I'm just, I, I'm telling you, whatever that, that thing that, that is being brought to the surface by the Holy Spirit, just get ready to release it, okay? Just get ready to let it go. Your agreement opens a door to build a stronghold. Can I move on to the next point or do, are, are we good? Your agreement, see, you got hurt in church, yeah, and then whispers, yeah, see, you shouldn't serve, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't give, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't uh, just put yourself in, you, 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 no, you, you gotta, you gotta hold back, you gotta, you got a barrier here, because you haven't released it yet, all right, number two, so we, we've, we've got, it's gonna keep you bound, And here's the second point, blame, which stems from unforgiveness, blame will block your your breakthrough. Blame will block your breakthrough. That's a lot of Bs. Let me say it this way. You can either have breakthrough or blame, and you can't have both. There are things that even right now you are thinking about in your past. A person, someone said something to you that, 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 that wounded you and, and you're looking at your current situation and your current shortcomings and you're placing blame from something that happened in the past because of the condition you're in today. And can I just say something to you? I gotta clarify something. I'm not saying that, that, that the pain that you went through is not real, it is real. The things that you went through have caused hurt. It did hurt. And listen, it's, I'm not talking about did it hurt or did it wound. I'm talking about can you release it today? Can you, can you drop control of it? And can you take the blame out and no longer choose blame? Because blame is partnering with the enemy and it's keeping you from your breakthrough. Blame is keeping you from your Breakthrough. Let me tell you what blame does. Blame, generally, it can give us a license today to live in a place of complacency and we, we use the blame of our past to justify our lack of doing what God's called us to do in the present. Come on, you ever known people who just kind of settled in into their spiritual life and they're like, I'm just never really going to live free. I'm going to go to church. I love God and I'm going to just do, but I'm just here. And, and honestly, if I could be real, it really stems from what happened back here. And, and this situation happened to me in my past. And this person said this to me. And if they hadn't have said that, then I could live free today. So because they said it, I'm just going to be complacent. And I've been given a license to be complacent because of blame. You follow me? 
Blame, it, it like writes you an okay letter, like a pink slip, like you go ahead and live below God's standard. You, de- you deserve it for what happened to you. And you're blaming the person for your lack of breakthrough, but it's actually your blame that's blocking your breakthrough. And Jesus said, drop it. Let go of control. You don't have control of what, what, what your hand is open. You don't have control. It, it falls, and you don't have control of it, and you walk away from it free. You walk away from it free. You're not partnering with blame anymore. So here's a question before we move on. Who have you been blaming for your current pain? Come on, let the Holy Spirit dig this morning. Let the Holy Spirit, and, and please, you know, I, I know how this works. Sometimes people are up in church and they're like, this is a strong word. I wish my wife was here today. Oh, man, this is, this is so good, man. I wish my son was here. Oh, he needs this word. No, you need this word. <laughs> I wish that person who did me wrong was here. No, no, no. No, this is for you. Who have you been blaming for your current complacency and pain? Whoever comes to your mind, that is who the Lord is asking you to release today. Whatever it is, God's saying, release it. Last point, and I'm out of your way. This, this week, as I was studying this point and, and praying for you and praying for what God wanted to do today, this really ministered to me personally. The point is this. God wants to turn your stronghold into a strength. And let me explain this to you. Jesus, if anybody knew, if anybody understood what it meant to take to, to, to get power out of pain and pressure and pressing. It was, it was Jesus. Moments before he was to be crucified and, and, and knowing that he was going to offer himself and, and give himself as a sacrifice. Do you remember what happened? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he, he felt the pressure of the moment that was before him. There he felt the pain. As a matter of fact, it's said that he felt so much, um, um, just, just the pressure that he began to sweat drops of blood. He was, he was feeling the pressure of the moment. And I, when you look, I'm like, the Garden of Gethsemane. And I looked, I looked at this word up, and, and it comes from two Hebrew words. Geth means a place for pressing oil or wine. It's the, it's the olive branch, and it, it literally means to press it down. And shimen, so geth shimen, this second word means the oil from the olive, the richness and anointing and the, the strength that comes from the pressing. So we have Jesus in this garden of pressing 
this garden of pressing to create the anointing that would produce the strength. It's the, it's the pressing down. And Jesus, understanding this process of pressing, looks up to his father and he says, Father, I don't understand this situation. I don't understand why. What, what's, this is, this is going to hurt. This is, this is a lot for me to handle. And I think through that pain, he was able to, to give to his father that moment and submit to the process of pressing. He submitted himself to the pressing down because he knew the pressing was not going to destroy him, but it was going to produce the very anointing and the very power that would set us free 2,000 years later. I just came here to tell you today, submit to the process of the pressing and the pain and whatever you went through and whatever was spoken over you. Some of you right now, it's a father that was just a jerk and he said things to you and he hurt you and he did things to you. And I'm here to tell you that that's, that pain is real. But if you, can, if you can submit to the pressing of that, God wants to take that very thing that was meant to destroy you and strengthen you and anoint you to use what you've been through to bring healing, the anointing oil from the olive that brings healing. It's what sustains us. It's what, it's what fills our lamps to keep us burning. It's submitting to that pressing process. Can I tell you something before, before we go today? Can I just tell you that God can't heal what you don't give to him? But you don't understand the magnitude of what I went through. Give it to him. You don't understand the pain that I face even today. Give it to him. You don't understand the things that were spoken over me. Give that to him too. I know it's pressing. I know it's heavy. I know that, that there's a, that li listen, the, the process of taking the olive is actually a grinding process. It's a, it's a, it's intense pressure, intense heat. It's a grinding that takes place, but out, out of the grinding and the pressure and the heat, the oil comes. And I feel like Jesus could see that. And so in the midst of pain and dripping blood, he said, I'm submitting to this process. I'm submitting this to you, God. I'm giving you this moment because you can take what the enemy meant to destroy and you can bring healing and salvation. You can use it to free millions of people and so yes I give this to you Father I just want you to close your eyes with me every head bowed and eyes closed and 
I just want to take a moment and I want to let the Holy Spirit really speak to you. I want to let the Holy Spirit begin to reveal to you the area that you need to give to him. And again, this isn't about your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your son, daughter. Come on, sometimes we, we can become Christians for so long that we forget that sometimes words are just for us. And the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter if you've been saved 60 years, the Holy Spirit is wanting to bring to the surface some things this morning. He's wanting to pull some, to draw some things out of you that you've been hanging on to and it's been keeping you bound. Come on, let him speak right now. Past circumstance, past pain. Wounds. Shortcomings. Things spoken over you. What was it? Mother, father, pastor, church leader. What's that wound stemming from? I want you to let it rise to the surface right now. And now I want you by faith because of what Jesus accomplished. I want you to by faith to begin to release that over to him. I want you to say, I'm tired. I don't want to hold on to this anymore. It's holding me back. It's keeping my potential in your kingdom so very low, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of, of holding the control of the unforgiveness and the pain, and I release that to you today. God, I release that, and I'm walking away free and unchained and completely, completely unbound. Come on, Holy Spirit, minister right now. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you, I want to pray for you. If you say, man, there, there's some things that I need, to, I need to give over to the Lord. If God's been speaking to you, I want you to slip your hand up right now so I can pray over you. I want all over this building. I knew that there would be many people this morning, many people who could say, yes, yes, I, I need to release some things. I need to release some things today. This is what I want to do. I want you to stand with me. We just, everyone stand with me. We're going we're gonna to worship right now. We're going to go into a time of worship. And if I'm going to be right here, if you, if you raised your hand, I want, you, I want to pray over you. Listen, before you come down, I want you to know that, that I even prayed and I, even, I, I felt like God gave me the, the actual prayer that I want you to pray with me. And so th this, is, this, is your, this is you dealing with things with God and releasing it. And so in this moment, if you raise your hand, come down to the altar right now. I want to pray over you. Come down. Just stand all over, this, all over the front. We're going to drop some things today. We're going to release some things today. And we're going to walk away from it. We're going to walk away from it.